The Talking Football Podcast is brought to you by On The Team Sheet. If you're looking for some Christmas gift inspiration, then get yourself onto their Instagram or Etsy site and search for On The Team Sheet, which is all one word. They produce cracking high-quality prints of classic football team kits. Whatever your team, you'll find it here and get yourself 10% off with the code TALKINGFITBALL. Hello and welcome to episode 82 of the Talking Football podcast in association with On The Team Sheet. I'm Derek Clark and each week we try and bring you a first class interview with some of the most colourful and interesting characters involved in the game. This week I was lucky enough to chat to Notts County Royalty, the record goal scorer Les Brad. Les was an absolute icon at the Magpies in the late 60s and 70s. We hear all about his time at the club, how gutted he was at his exit, as well as his spells at Rotherham Stockport. Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Talking Football Podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to say we're joined this week joy to by to a legend of Notts County, the, latest the record goal scorer, also star for the likes of Wigan, Stockport, Rotherham and not forget Getting as well, Bristol Rovers. It's the one and only Les Brad. Les, thank you very much for coming on. Good morning, and thank you very much for inviting me. It's uh, an absolute pleasure. Um, done quite a few um, meetings on the on the internet over the uh, the lockdown, um, and enjoyed quite a lot of those meetings. I've been um, introduced and spoken to a lot of very vulnerable people, and it's um, it's gave me a, a lot of satisfaction. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to, before we look at back at the career, Les, um, how has the, the, the coronavirus affected yourself? Are you, are you, are you keeping safe and well uh, throughout it? Yeah, it's, um, it's helped me with um, um, an aim that I set out to do uh, back in February, and that was to lose weight. <laughs> uh, so it's given me a little bit more time, and, and I've been making sure that I get my 10K steps in a day. Uh, oh. Don't do that all at once. Um, the um, the trip to the paper shop that used to be a bike is now a two mile walk. Uh, at lunchtime, I I'll go out for probably three quarters of an hour walk, and then of an evening, and I've been doing around three hundred and fifty to four hundred thousand steps each month, and and that's delighted me really. I've uh, um, one sad point has been lack of golf over the last three weeks because yeah. two rounds of golf a week has certainly helped to to me to to achieve that. Um, I've got into a routine of getting up and doing a few body exercises. Um, so I've lost a bit of fat around the, the, the tummy at the side as well. And the pubs being closed has stopped me drinking a few pints. <laughs> Maybe I would have done it for everything had been okay. <laughs> Back in stuff. Um, yeah, on, on a, still with an interest in, in, in football, um, I, I'm an ambassador for Notts County currently. And... Um, um, I do um, quite a bit uh, uh, of work in, in, in talking to supporters, greeting them on match stage, ground tours, and um, I've got, had a lot of satisfaction. I've probably done around 200 calls during the summer to um, disadvantaged um, supporters, um, sufferers, shall we say, the, uh, with the dementia that's high in the... Um, in the discussions now with with, with football um, and, and people that have got a common interest, you know, with Notts County before my time and they've had some really good discussions. So um, it's been a good help, not just to the person that I've been calling, but also myself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the career then, Les, a fantastic career in football, of course. Uh, when you were born back in uh, November 1947, when you were growing up, uh, did you always want to be a footballer? Was that always a dream? Um, I was born in the wilds of Derbyshire. Uh, the nearest thing to football was probably 26 miles to Stockport or Manchester, <laughs> and in the opposite direction, um, 30 miles to Derby. <laughs> and and um, coaching was never heard of that word, word as, a, as a boy growing up. It was basically go to school and the, the teacher saying, right, we're having a football lesson today. Um, you play number two, you play number 11, you go in goal. So I was playing virtually every position on a football field. Uh, and um, when I moved into secondary school, then I became the, the, the captain. My father um, had some experience of um, 
semi-professional football uh, when he lived in London, played for Gray's Athletic. And I think it was his interest in football that got me into it. But um, um, sort of growing up, you know, through my, um, shall we say, eight, nines, tens, elevens, twelves, um, very little football on TV. Yeah. Um, I couldn't wait for the, the weekly comic coming round and Roy of the Rovers, Roy Race doing his little bit, sticking it in the top corner, banging it in from 25 yards and... Uh, having read the comic, I ran outside, got the football and went in the garden. There was something at the garden shed or <laughs> heading it up against the wall. Um, and also look forward to the um, after school games that took place on the local park, which was about a mile from where I lived. And uh, I used to travel there and join in the games that probably started at three or four aside for the first ones there and and finished at probably... 20 aside when it was going dark and parents were calling the kids to come in. Yeah. So that was my sort of background in, in, in football. And I, I left school at 15, became an apprentice uh, motor mechanic. And um, they wouldn't let me have Saturday afternoons off to play football. Um, in those days, that was the only time that there was any football. There was no Sunday morning in those days. And um, I missed it, missed it badly. Um, then got asked with um, um, a friend if, if um, I would like to join this local amateur football team. Um, and if so, they would sort me out with another job. And, and, and that's what I did. Um, that local football team was called Earl Sterndale, who, who that season we went on to win the league. And I scored, I think, 35 goals playing on the left wing. Wow. Um, yeah, towards the end of the season, I got a tap on the shoulder from, from this chap at half-time at a place called Chinley. Um, he said that he was a friend of the manager of Rotherham United, would like to go for, for a trial. I was 18 then. Uh, and I couldn't wait to go. And um, the first game was the youth team game up at Barnsley. And I wore the number nine shirt. Um, we drew 1-1, I scored the goal. And um, from that point on, it was um, um, an upgrade into the reserves. First game I played was against uh, Don Masson's team. Don was playing Middlesbrough. Yeah. Um, and I learned to play against some very big, strong centre-halves. In those days, football was a lot more physical than it was today. And you have to have your wits about you. But um, um, during that um, that year, I scored nine goals from 11 um, runouts with the reserves. And um, I got offered a, um, a full-time contract in um, 1967 um, by the, uh, the Rotherham manager. He said, you're very raw. We need to do a lot of work with you. Um, but I've got a good feeling that you, you're going to make it as, as a footballer. One month later, he left and went to the United States, and um, I was a little bit out of it. But that was the, the launch to my career, really. Yeah, you mentioned the coaches. Was it Jack Mansell? Was that the the, the boss at the time? Um, of course, he would manage that. Like you say, go to the States, but he'd manage a host of different uh, countries all over the globe, Galatasaray as well, and you name it. What, what was he like as a, as a coach, Les? Jack was a fantastic coach, and he he, he bragged about being the fastest sprinter backwards. <laughs> I think in his playing career, he was a left-back for, for Portsmouth and he did a lot of tracking back and he, he got to, I think he used to train running backwards <laughs> because in those days, wingers ran at you with the ball. Um, but he was a very, very good coach. Um, he coached um, a, um, a young set of guys at Rotherham uh, into a very, very good football team. So much so that um, in, in that year, that 1966-67, they, um, they drew Manchester United in the third round of the FA Cup. Um, I wasn't in the team, but um, they played them at, uh, at Millmore in the, um, in the first game and drew 2-2 and Manchester United got a late equaliser. Uh, they lost the, the replay by, I think it was an odd goal, but... Um, they were, they were a team. There's some very good players who went on to, to, to big things um, that came from, from that team. 
Yeah, you mentioned Millmoor. Of course, it's it's still there. It's it's a bit strange why it's it's just been left there, hasn't it? Well, the the New York Stadium is 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 just uh, close by. What was it like to play there? Um, it was a strange ground, really. Right uh, by the railway station, you 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 entered the ground at the back of the goal, and and um, uh, you walked along the set of steps, and then down some steps, and then along the pathway which was part of the. Um, the, the, the terracing and then you, you joined on to the main stand, went up some steps and along there and down some more steps and then you finished up in the in the far corner which was the dressing room. That's uh, that's where the tunnel used to be, be um, coming out from the corner. Yeah. Um, it had a slope to the pitch. Um, I don't think it, it really mattered too much to me in those days. I was just a youngster that was cutting my teeth starting out in football. So... I was just over the moon to be at a football club. Um, it was in the days of the of, of the 60s when music was massive. You know, the Beatles were were very prominent, and all sorts of other um, four-piece bands. You know, two guitarists, a drummer. Yeah. Um, they 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 were on the go, and and um, for some reason, Rotherham United uh, attached themselves to the Kinks. And their music was played in heavy volume as the players went onto the pitch. <laughs> and I can remember whole tight being played as we went out. And the players, as you looked at them, they all had a ball, flicking it up and down, doing the tricks with it. It was just wonderful to be around. Yeah, uh, it was like a fun place to be. And of course, um, is it right in thinking you, you, you scored once for the senior team and it would, it would come against the, the club you would join, Notts County? Is that, is that right? Yeah, I had three appearances for Rotherham. I made my debut at, um, at Villa Park. Wow. Uh, we, got, uh, we got beat that day 3-1. Um, I scored, but I had it disallowed. The next game as it is nowadays, after the first match of the season, was um, Football League Cup Week. Yeah. And um, Rotherham were drawn against Notts County at Meadow Lane. And uh, marking me that day was Dave Watson. They went on to play for Sunderland and Manchester City and England, of course. And um, I managed to, to turn him from a throw-in and um, thump the ball in from, from nearly 30 yards. It was an unbelievable wow. goal. And um, we won the game 1-0. Um, I was in the team because the centre-forward for Rotherham um, was recovering from a um, cartilage operation in the summer. His name was John Galley. And... He was fit virtually um, just after that. I managed to play um, another game against Derby County when Roy McFarlane made his, his debut for Derby County. And then um, John was back in the team and I was back into the reserves. I'd had a taste of first team football and the crowds and the noise that went with it. And um, I arrived for a reserve team match um, on Tuesday night at Millmore and to be pulled on one side by the caretaker manager Fred Green uh, to say that um, Notts County were, were very interested in signing me. The manager Billy Gray had been in contact with the club. Uh, was I interested in going? So I asked him what the situation was with myself at, um, at Rotherham and he said he didn't think that I got much chance of playing first team football with all the players that were there and he thought I ought to sign. Uh, for Notts County so um, I said that I would like to speak to them that, um, the manager and the chairman came over that uh, evening and um, I signed on the dotted line um, there were no mobile phones in those days so I went outside found a call box rang my mum and dad in Buxton and they weren't very happy at all that <laughs> <laughs> I'd gone from a second division club to a fourth division club um, but I'd made that decision and um the next day, I drove over to, to um, Nottingham um, and I made Nottingham my home, and it's been my home since then. Yeah, it certainly has. Um, joining them, did you get much? I guess well, you, it would be obvious you would play more often for Notts County than you'd get the chance at, at Rotherham. Um, and it must, have been, it must have been great to, to play con, on a consistent uh, basis, Les. Yeah, I, I was uh, met at um, at, um, at Notts County with a captain. Uh, his name was Alex Gibson. And he stood outside the door waiting for me. And he shook hands, nearly broke my hand. <laughs> uh, 
And then he said, you're going to wear a black and white shirt, my lad. He was probably about eight years older than me. Um, and he says, the rules to wear that shirt are that you play with, wear it with pride, that when you get kicked, and you will get kicked in this league, that you get up again and you stare at the centre half in the face and said, you haven't hurt me. You smile at him. And when you come off the pitch after 90 minutes, you've left nothing out there. You, you, and, and, and still sticks in my mind now. So, um, yeah, I, I, I went out on the pitch and, and, and tried to give it the best that, that, that I could. Um, not, not just, just um, scoring goals, helping my teammates. The manager, Billy Gray, um, had an eye for a player. We had a lot of good young players in there, but he, he, he expected them just to go out and be able to perform. And it wasn't until 18 months later, a guy called Jimmy Cyril uh, moved in to take over at Notts County that uh, certainly in my case, and I believe in a lot of the others uh, as well, uh, that we became educated on, on what being a professional footballer was all about. Um, and he did that by uh, every Tuesday and every Thursday we had a full-scale practice match. And um, he, he was on that field and he was working with the players in, in the first team and he was telling them what he expected them to do. Um, and it, it took a few months, but eventually we, 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 we gelled together. We took on board what he'd have to say and, and we, we became a team that... Um, Initially, it started winning at home and, 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 and not conceding goals. And then we're able to go away from home and pick up draws and then, then win matches. And, and um, probably a st strange thing to say when I, I tell people about being a professional footballer, they, they find it difficult to understand. And it's, it's applicable to each position. Um, and, and in my case, what do you... He demanded from me was was that I had, I had to be of value to that football team in and around that penalty box. I had to cause issues for the defenders of the opposition. I had to have them worrying about me, looking for me. Um, I had to be able to um, set up chances and, 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 and score goals. Um, anything outside of that area would take, but it wasn't of great importance to him. Um, and working on the pitch with 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 other players, um, watching uh, how fullbacks delivered the ball forward. You know, we had a fullback called Bob Worthington. Yeah. Playing with him on a regular basis, I got to find out when he was going to kick the ball, it wasn't going to come in the air um, like a balloon. It was going to come viciously swinging in at you. The other side, the fullback Bill Brinley, he couldn't kick the ball like like that as it was going to be a higher delivery so you pulled off to one and you went in the back of the other one and, and in, in in a lot of cases that that people watching football unless they really fully understand what is going on out there they'll say um he looks slow he he doesn't look interested and i've never known in my time any player playing in the same team going on that pitch that isn't interested sometime the mind isn't quite on the same wavelength as, as, as other people. And it, then they lose a yard because of it. And, and they are the issues. But um, as I say, Jimmy Cyril educated us into understanding the position that you were playing. And, and I feel that the, that the years that followed uh, through the 70s, where we had two promotions while I was there, and then another one after I left um, up into the top level, were, were, were down to that education. Yeah, and of course, uh, top players you mentioned would, would arrive at the club, one being Don Masson in, in 1968. Um, what was he like to, to play alongside Lice? Well, if, if, if you switch on the television and, and watch um, a Premiership football match now, you will watch um, midfielders probably play more like a stone wall. Yeah. The ball gets knocked up to him from um, a full-back position or, or centre-half and the midfielder knocks it back again or he knocks it square. 
Don Masson never ever took a ball um, that he played back or square. Yeah. Whenever he was calling for the ball, taking the ball, he knew what he was going to be doing. And when there was three or four options on, he generally picked the best option. He passed the ball inside the fullback or over the fullback's head for the um, wide players, uh, wingers in those days, to run onto. We got two fast wingers throughout those days. They had to get on the end of that ball. They had to cross the ball into the box. He also played the ball up to the strikers and he would get it back with a view for changing play. He had fantastic technique with both left foot, right, right foot, control of the ball. Um, and that just didn't come naturally. Um, he, he worked after the training session finished, he would go out onto the pitch. Um, he would practice free kicks, he would practice corners. Um, he was an utter enthusiast to, to, to get better. Um, and he's probably one of the, the best players that I played with or ever saw in, in, in my career that played in that position. Quite often get the, the, the question, who's the best player you ever played with? And I don't think that um, you can answer that question quite correctly. There's a best player for every position because Don Masson couldn't have played centre-half if you understand what I'm talking about, but he, he, he played that position that uh, the best I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, Tony Haley would, would, would come back to the club as well. Uh, uh, when you were there, Les, uh, speaking to Don a couple of weeks ago, he said that it was uh, attracted 20,000 fans to the, the fourth division. Um, what was it like to, to play alongside him? And what was it like as a, as a character to share a dressing room with? Um, Tony was an absolutely fantastic guy and, and he was probably the, one of the, the best headers of a ball that I've ever seen. He could get up in the air and he could hang up in the air. I've seen centre-halves jumping with him and they're coming down while he was still up there. Yeah. But he got taught and I got taught by um, a fantastic teacher whose name was Tommy Lawton. don't know if you remember that name. He played for, for Arsenal, for Chelsea, Notts County, Brentford, England. And um, he, he scored probably 200 goals in 300-odd games. He, he, he was fantastic. Um, on Wednesday afternoons, uh, he took me and Tony said he, he, he'd done the same with him um, into a little room and down the corner of the stand. And we would um, stand on blankets stacked about a foot high. And we had to crouch down as low as we could with a piece of chalk in our hand and jump as high as we could and put the chalk mark on the wall. Um, and we'd do that for about 10 minutes. And then the following week, you went back in and you couldn't come out of the room until you beat the previous, previous week's chalk mark. <laughs> so that's probably why we got big thighs. Um, so <laughs> he also taught us how to um, exercise our neck muscles in thrusting back and thrusting forward to the left, to the right. Uh, he taught us where the correct place to head the ball was, and that was in the middle of the forehead, not on the top of the head. Um, and, and certainly Tony was, was top of the tree when it came to that. So playing with him on his, on his second time round at Knox County, it was an absolute education. I roomed with him all the away matches. Uh, we, 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 um, we played off each other. In fact, there was only there was one season playing with Tony um, became the only season when I wasn't the far post man. Yeah. Tony was on the far post. I played off him and that was the season I got my best tally of goals. I think I got 23 goals that year. Um, but I, I like to think we were a handful. We, um, we you know, as I say, from these practice games that we had, one attack the near post, one the far post. We were always in great danger, you know, and um, if it came to the near post, we had a go at goal, generally we scored or could flick it onto the far post. If it came to the far post, we, we generally headed it back to, to one of us up the, up the other side of the goal or laid it back to Don Masson. Um, we worked with each other, uh, dropping off the ball, one running in the back. He was just a great guy to, to, to play with and, and work with. And, 
Um, his son Mark became a fantastic player as well, who scored many goals. Yeah, he certainly did. Uh, the seventy seventy one season was, was a, a, a memorable one, wasn't it? When you got out of that fourth division, unbeaten at home. Uh, I think you scored with it twenty one uh, goals as well. Uh, Les, so a, a successful season that year. The, the, that's fifty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Where's time gone? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we were, we were into the second season of Jimmy Cyril and um, after a, just a slow start, we, we got onto a run. Um, we felt like we, we, we weren't going to concede any goals, lots of clean sheets and, um, you know, talking to the, the, the defenders, the two centre-halves, Dave Need and Stubbsy, in those days, they always used to say, once we got a goal, we felt that was it. And in many cases it was. And, yeah, we went on, on, on a great run and um, we, we just didn't feel that we, we could get beat. We were, we were a great bunch of lads, knew what we were all doing on the pitch. We, we were good off the field as well, you know, if uh, anybody was required um, to attend a pub for a charity um, issue. Um, it wasn't one player or two players going on a rotor basis, it was like all the team went. Yeah, um, yeah we, it, it was... A, Fantastic time, um, not just to be playing football. It was a fantastic. It was a great time in life as well. The seventies, the, the late sixties, the seventies were, were were great times to be living. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned there um, the, the sort of team spirit and what have you. But was that something that, that Jimmy Cyril really uh, got the players together and galvanised the, the squad and got you all um, singing from this, the same hymn sheet? Did you have a, a lot of fun off the field as well as on it? He, he 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 had his favourites, um, <laughs> but he, 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 the, the success of Knox County was built on the back of being a team. It was there was no individuals in there. I think some people might to, like to think that there indiv were individuals, but um, pull one out. There was another one waiting to take your place, and um, it was it was built on the back of a good team ethic and um, hence the reason why we're so successful on the pitch off the pitch we're a wonderful group um and 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 looking through the records um probably a few weeks ago and and you're looking at players i think there was eight players in that team made over 40 appearances yeah um and in the three years where we had um two promotions as I say this this season 50 years ago we missed out just missed out the next season on promotion then got the promotion up into the uh, the old second division the, the year after that I, I think um, something like 17 18 players used over that period of time yeah. incredible you know when you look at uh, squads needed today um you know, we're talking about times when there was only one sub, yeah, the twelfth twelfth man, and he generally only went on when there was an injury. It wasn't a tactical substitution. You know, through there, forty odd games being played in, in in the league. You know, then there was the cup games, and I'm picking up the paper and the Premier League are crying out that they need more subs, and and I'm thinking, what is what is happening? And we're playing on pictures that were. Yeah, covered in mud um, that were bone hard with no grass on in the spring. I don't know. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a different game today. Game now, isn't it? It's, it's a completely different game today, and um, yeah, big big changes to 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 um, the physical side of it. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure that the the players are. Um, much more athletes than they were in my day. Um, not sure if it's a better spectacle. Um, mind you, I'm biased because we played in those days and I yeah. think the lads that played then will say it was a better game than it is today. <laughs> but um, I found it a lot more exciting than, you know, when you watch the old games from, from that era. Yeah. They were games that sort of got you out of your seat to watch. Um, yeah. I, I find today's top football more like a chessboard it's a, become a very very much tactical game yeah. I don't know if you agree no I, I, I would agree with you there and not just that there's so much football on now that it's, it's almost 
at a saturation point. Um, I can't. I mean, I cover the games when when I go to them, but uh, I, I, I don't normally bother watching it on on TV much because it, it, there's just so there's so much on. You know I mean, every day. So, and like you say, it is very much the same same sort of stuff. And t- t- it's almost uh, some. The smaller teams don't get much of a chance now as they did uh, back in obviously the days that you were playing less. Yeah, no, the the, the Sunday morning highlights is the best program now. Yeah, yeah. But, it, but even so, there's more time taken up on VAR than anything else on that. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, throughout the days that uh, my playing days, you know, we were brought up. The referee's decision was final. Yeah, and and the good referees would some sometimes talk to you and 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 put the hand up and say I made a mistake and you you got on with it, uh, you know just just like players made mistakes they they and, and and the players accepted that as long as they were honest and they hadn't been swayed by the crowd and we got on with it and um, I'm I'm sure it was far better to watch them than what it is now with this this constant VAR interruption. Yeah, it's terrible, and it's, it's it's comical now what they're they're denying goals for and what have you. It's it's really it's it's taken over. We're just talking about VAR now as opposed to the football, which <laughs> what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, you know, and you're looking at a, a centimetre being offside, and it's it's ah, part of the arm, and yeah, you know, do they know at the exact time that the ball is leaving the boot <laughs> to determine that centimetre? I, I just find it all. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, and I think I mean the players and the coaches feel the same way. So hopefully it gets addressed sooner rather than later. Um, yeah. Talking about your, yourself, Les, uh, you, you mentioned there the pitches. Um, you'll struggle to find a really bad pitch these days. But the, back then there were quagmire. Some of the pitches you were, you were playing at. Was there anyone in particular that you you dreaded going to or that you had a tough afternoon at? I don't know about dreading going to. Um... You just loved, you couldn't wait for a match day to, to be playing because, um, you know, we felt like we were going to win. So that's good. I suppose if it's the other way and you're losing every match, it might be different. But uh, during my career, it was pretty good and successful. But um, one pitch um, miles above any other that sticks out in my mind is the baseball ground. Um, and the day that we played there was uh, the FA Cup third round, and we got beat. We got smashed actually six um, nil. Um, we we'd had a good um, uh, first half. We were losing one nil at half time. Tony Aitley should have scored actually, so uh, we we could have been drawing there. But that pitch, and I'm talking all over the pitch, um, the, the 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 mud, and it was soft mud, and it came over your boot. It was just like running on a on a quagmire. I've never known anything like that before. Um, also, probably Newport County comes to mind. Um, yeah. In those days, um, it was also being used as a as a speedway track. Yeah. And the corner flags um, were mats. They were at the corners of the speedway, and they were mats <laughs> marked out with the the quadrangle. I can remember there we were we were winning one nil late on and our centre forward. This was 1968-69. Jack Smithy took it over there, lifted the mat up and put the ball on the <laughs> joined the, in the last couple of minutes to waste time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, the, the the pictures have changed and and um, I must say that is a massive improvement in the game to to where they are now. Yeah, um, I was going to ask as well. Played in front of the the, the home supporters um, at Meadow Lane as well. How 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 good was that for you? How much did you enjoy playing in front of them? I feel very very sorry for the players playing in the pandemic because football without supporters is a no go for me. Um, to run out of that tunnel at Meadow Lane, uh, we, we, you know, in the in the 70s, we were always playing with 10,000 plus gates. Uh, and I had a group um, that used to get um, behind me in, on the far side of the ground. That was the county road stand. And uh, when we came out, they used to sing this this song. Six foot two, eyes of blue, Leslie Grad is after you. And I always ran over and we, we got on with each other. And 
Um, it's just wonderful to to score a goal, to 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 get the adrenaline buzz, and then to see the fans cheering with you is just goes hand in hand. Um, you know, I've been down to matches this season, uh, and to see a goal being scored um, without any celebration, you're looking around to see. You think it's been disallowed? Um, it's just. Uh, I suppose it's better than not seeing it at all, but I'm sorry, it just isn't. Um, it's not football uh, for me. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's a bizarre state of affairs. And would you have played against uh, Nottingham Forest? Yeah, in the um, in 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 the seventies, uh, um, we got uh, promoted. Was it seventy three four? We we moved up into the second division. Yeah, uh, Forest had come down. And they were in the second division also, and this was our big chance to to match up against the big boys, and we were there for four years, uh, playing against each other. We lost that very first game, um, and then we were quite successful with the other seven. We never lost another one. Um, I think we we drew three and and, and won four, and um, I did well. I scored uh, the. One of them uh, was a winning goal in the last minute at the City Ground. Um, that was uh, that was fantastic. Uh, also scored again o o over there, um, and also scored. A, I've got quite a story to this one. <laughs> this was one at, at Meadow Lane, um, and it was the year that uh, Forrest got promoted. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember. It was probably March time. We were both very high up in the league, pushing for, for promotion. Um, and we got to know each other quite well, the players of each team. And one of uh, the players, Larry Lloyd, was, I won't say a close mate, but he was a mate of mine. We would have a pint on occasions. And um, we played at Meadow Lane and the game kicked off. And... Um, as you did, the centre forward moves forward and comes up against the centre half. And Larry put his studs on top of my boot, looked me in the eye, and he says, "If you effing score today, I'm going to break your effing leg." <laughs> I said, "I thought we were mates." <laughs> and I scored after about 15 minutes. We went one nil up, <laughs> and then um, it's probably half an hour of the game gone and I'm I'm approaching this ball and out the corner of my eye I could see this red shirt come flying and as I put my foot for the ball this long sliding tackle and the foot hits me and I'm laid out in agony and I looked up and Larry Lloyd's over the top of me looking down what do they have to well tell you and I got stretched off wow. but, uh, yeah later he became my manager when I went to Wigan uh, we uh, <laughs> We we went a little bit deeper into that story, but um, no, it was it was quite a battle out there. Football, you had to look after yourself, um, but there were happy times, good times. Well, yeah, there, there certainly would be a be, be a, a brilliant occasion to play to play football and uh, against your, your your arch rivals. In terms of your time at County, of course, you'd spend a good many years there. Was there any any chance that uh, you, you may have left before your time there, Les? Did you have any opportunities, any clubs sniffing about because you were doing so well? Um, in those days, when you, sh when you sign a contract, yeah, you yeah. were the, under the ownership of the club till they wanted to get rid of you. <laughs> um, if your contract finished um, and you didn't accept the new contract that was on offer, then you stayed on your old contract, getting paid the old money. Yeah. If you said, well, I'm not going to do that, then you could go off somewhere else to work, but not play football. Wow. So if there's such a thing as a pendulum, it was too heavily on one side, yeah. maybe it's gone too heavily the other side yeah, now. I think but, so, yeah. uh, that's how it was in those days. And you heard little whispers, you saw things in paper, in the paper. Um, I know that after Jimmy Searle left and went um, to manage Sheffield United and Ronnie Fenton took over as manager, he told me that um, Don Howe, the manager of West Brom, uh, offered 105000 to Notts County to sign me the previous year, which had been turned down. Um, I also heard of a, 
uh, Coventry City uh, wanted to sign me. They were in the in the top league then. Um, and another one that I did here was um, when I left Notts County and signed for Sopport County. Mike Summerby was the manager, yeah. and um, he he told me. Um, Oh dear, what was um, his boss's name at Manchester City? It just escapes me now. Can you remember? At Man City? Yeah. Oh, I'm not sure. Right, when when would this have been? What, what year would this have been? Oh, you're going back in the, in the 70s. Um, can't think of his name now. He, 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 was care, he was assistant manager at Manchester City and then manager of Manchester City. He'd advised Mike somebody to be to come and sign me and he said that he was looking um he'd been looking at me as well a couple of years uh, previous to, to to then so yes there were some clubs around i didn't get the opportunity i was never asked by the manager did i want to go um but as i say i did hear from um the manager of knox county ronnie fenton um that a bit of 105,000 had been turned down for me in 74, 75 time. Yeah. Uh, is it one of those, did, do, you, do you look, you're one of these guys, maybe less that looks back and go, oh, well, what could have been, or do you not bother so much about that? It's just that's how things operated back then. Yeah, that's how things operate. No point looking back. I, I do um, lie in bed on, uh, in, you know, sometimes you think back and think, well, wonder what has happened if it had gone there and I'd been playing with him. And um, but it's, it's very interesting, isn't it? I, I'm one that believes in, in fate. There's somebody up there that's looking down that controls us. We might think we control ourselves, but there's other things going on as well that steer you in directions that hidden source, shall we say. Yeah. So you take what you've got. I look back on my my life and think I from where I was born and bred and uh, and and um, my younger days, nobody had ever been a professional footballer from Buxton prior prior to me. Um, my uh, John Higgins' son John was born in Bakewell. His his son Mark became a professional footballer afterwards. Played for Everton. Um, but no, I, I think from where I came from, I'm, I'm the over the moon with um, how football has treated me and, and the life that I've had working in football since then. Yeah, and of course, Notts County, you're inducted into the, the Hall of Fame there. You're, you're an ambassador there as well. So um, it, must, it must be quite humbling to, to know that you've made such a, a big impact at that, at that football club and you're held in such high regard. Yeah, that didn't just come from the football side. Um, I became um, I worked for Notts County in the commercial sense from when I, when I retired when I was thirty six, um, and I had eleven very happy years there. Then I moved over to Nottingham Forest and worked on their commercial side for another twelve years. That <laughs> didn't go down well with a lot of friends. I can tell you that. Um, and then, sort of, when I retired at the end of uh, my career. I, been an ambassador for Notts County Football Club so as you can imagine I've I've met uh, many many people in Nottingham um, I've got heavily attached over the last seven or eight years with the Notts County charity I've done a lot of work with the um, the, 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 the shall we say the disadvantaged people yeah. I've worked with uh, Vicky McClure uh, with the dementia choir yeah. And she's been helping me with um, helping, uh, shall we say, uh, supporters who have got dementia, uh, how we can link sport into helping those as well. So I've done quite a lot. I've also been um, responsible with the launch of the former Players Association, with the Junior Magpies. So I've done quite a lot of work that's got me heavily involved, and I think that's probably... Um, a lot to do with that award, which I greatly appreciate. Yeah, of course, you'd leave uh, in 1978 uh, after the 11 seasons with, with the club. Um, were you sad to leave uh, at that point, Les, or did you feel that? What was the reason for you um, moving to, to Stockport County? 
Well, Jimmy Cyril had come back as um, as manager, and uh, we 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 were they'd sacked the manager Ronnie Fenton, and uh, Jimmy took over. Uh, we were struggling uh, down at the bottom of the um, old second division, and um, we had a successful run. Uh, we got ourselves halfway up the table. I scored twelve goals that season. Um, season ended. Jimmy went off like he normally did, and over to Malta for his summer holidays. Um, and I got a call. Could I meet the, the uh, chairman of Notts County down at the club? And I thought, yeah, that's not a problem. I thought he's going to, going to offer me a rise. <laughs> he called me into his office and sit down, and, and um, he said, uh, there are four clubs that want to sign you. And that was Hull City, Oldham Athletic, Shrewsbury Town, Sockport County. He says, um, I've talked to them all. I've done a deal with them all. You're free to go and speak to them all. Uh, I think you should leave. I know you've got a contract left for one more year, but I've just signed um, Ricky Green from Chesterfield and he's going to be your replacement. I would hate to see you playing in the reserves for the rest of your time. Yeah. Wow. And I was rocked. And, and that was how quick the conversation was. The slip of paper handed over, out to walk. So wow. I went home, made myself a cup of tea, cried, and thought, wow, that's 11 years gone just like that. I could have stayed mine. Um, so after 10 minutes, I went out for a walk and took a breath of fresh air and got my head in gear and then... Um, Deep down, I wanted to sign for Stockport because uh, my father had only passed away um, a couple of years previous. My mum was living her on her own in a place called Buxton. Yeah. Buxton was sort of halfway between Nottingham and um, Stockport. Um, and everything fell into place, really, with discussions with the manager, um, Mike Summerby and Freddie Pye, the owner. And they signed a one-year contract. They wanted me to sign for two years. Um, and I said, no, just one. I couldn't understand why. And I said, basically, if you're not happy with me and I'm not happy with you, we can get out after a year. Yeah. Um, I won player of the year um, yeah. and um, had a really good season. I got called in by the chairman who offered me a two-year contract, uh, which I gladly signed. It had worked for both of us. So um, that was... That was the reason that I moved to Stockport. But I was very upset at the time for losing, uh, yeah. finishing at Notts. I guess you never got the opportunity to say goodbye to the, the fans or what have you. It was just one of those, see you later, and that, that's you finished. That was a big thing when I was having my cup of tea with that time on my own, thinking, bang, all those players that are in that dressing room that we're seeing on a daily basis, gone, bump. All those supporters um, that have cheered me through all those days, no more. Um, and it's quite a, an impact, really, when you, you, you think about it. But you can either let it affect your life or you close the door and move on. Another one opens and do something about it. And that's what I tried to do. I tried to um, tell the the chairman and my own way that it was wrong saying that um, I was getting too old um, to say I was leading goal scorer at, at, at Stockport one player of the year three, three years later I moved, moved to Wigan and did yeah. the same thing there um, always trying to prove people wrong and, 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 and get on with things so that was um, that was what I did I'm proud to have done that yeah, absolutely. Of course, at Stockport, you'd, uh, Mike Summerby was there, like, like you said. How, how good was he to, uh, to start alongside? Was George Armstrong as well, ex-Arsenal, was there, wasn't he? Yeah, we had uh, Mike Edwards, who was Manchester United uh, centre-off as well. Yeah. There, there was a, a group of players um, who'd been around other clubs, um, and, and Mike was picking them up and assembling them. We didn't quite gel. We certainly gelled as a team when we played the better teams. Um, um, we played Arsenal in the cup. Um, we were drawing a long time, one each with uh, with Arsenal, but many uh, finished up losing the game. 
we went to um, Old Trafford in the um, in the League Cup. We were winning there till late on, um, and we felt we got cheated there by the referee. Um, lost to an injury time uh, winner, so we could play against, shall we say, better teams, but found it difficult against. Um, shall we say the rough and ready teams that were prepared to get stuck in. Um, so we didn't have a plan B um, and we became a bit middle of the road um, at, at that level. And um, Freddie got impatient with Mike Summerby um, and he brought in a, a, a new manager. Um, by that time, I think Freddie was getting a little bit fed up with, uh, with Stockport. And um, he sold up and moved on to, to Wigan Athletic. Um, so, um, yeah, it, it was happy times. Enjoyed playing with, with Stockport County. We had some, some wonderful games, great memories there. Um, and, um, yeah, a, a big part of my football career. Really enjoyed it, as yeah. was Wigan, of course, afterwards. Yeah, am I right in thinking you, you netted your only hat trick at Stockport? Is that right? Am I reading that right? Was it against Barnsley or something like that? Yeah, um, it's not the only one. I got one at uh, Wigan as well. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, I think it was, yeah, two. The, the, um, the one at Stockport, we were losing 4 um, 1 with um, eight minutes to go. And um, in fact, um, Oh, my memory's going now. Um, he was a centre-half um, at Barnsley. Um, Ipswich manager, Ireland manager. Oh, Mick McCarthy. Mick McCarthy. He was a young lad <laughs> and he got plenty of mouth on him in those days, Mick. And um, yeah, he was giving it to me at Stockport. They, they, they beat us at Stockport and, and it, 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 we went up, um, up to, to Barnsley. And... Um, I scored the, the first the first goal was um I ran through the middle and, and hit it, just hit it from about twenty, twenty-five yards. It flew into the corner and then got two late um, late headers. I even hit the crossbar in, wow. in the dying seconds for a winner. Uh that that year, um yeah, George Armstrong was was over on the on the left wing. Yeah. Um and and um yeah, it was it was a great draw for each. Um it was late in the season. That year, I, I was voted in the uh, PFA uh, Team of the Year and we went down to, to London for the awards. Um, I was in the fourth division Team of the Year and sitting on that, that table um, was the, the Barnsley manager, Alan Clark, when we used to play for Leeds. Yes. And he, he was telling me about the, that game where he got them all, all the Barnsley ads in the next morning two hours running up and down the cop. <laughs> Whenever I bump into um, Mick, yeah. I haven't seen him for a couple of years now, but occasionally I used to bump into him down at Knox County. He always used to, whenever he greeted me, it was usually with some bad language. <laughs> <laughs> but we'd always have a laugh about that game. Yeah, and the other the other hat trick was for Wigan Athletic at Scunthorpe. We, we beat Scunthorpe seven, seven, Two, I think it was, making his debut for Scunthorpe that evening was um, Botham. Oh, yeah, Ian Botham, yeah. Ian Botham, and he scored a goal. Um, was he any, he any good? Because, of course, uh, I interviewed, uh, uh, I think, Neil Poynton a, a year ago, and he says he was a, a cracking player. Yeah, he was a big, strong lad, a bustly type player, and... Um, yeah, he scored a good goal there, but we were a bit too good for them that night. Yeah, yeah. So the the move to Wigan then, uh, um, the club had, had recently just uh, obviously made it into the, the football league. What? Well, how was your time there? Did you enjoy your time up up there, uh, Les? Yeah, well, Larry Lloyd was the the manager, and he he still lived in Nottingham, and um, he he taught me into signing uh, that we could travel together. <laughs> Incidentally, the um, the meeting to sign was the last match of the previous season. Wigan Athletic versus Stockport County. I'm playing for Stockport County. Larry is playing for Wigan Athletic, player manager. 
and during the it was the last match of the season. I'd been told by the uh, the manager of Stockport that, that I wasn't being re-signed. And during the course of this game, Larry chatted me up um, in, into signing for Wigan. We talked money during the course of the game as well. And at the, at the end of the game, when we shook hands, people thought shaking hands on the game. It was shaking hands on a deal to sign for Wigan. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Now I went up to Wigan. Um, my first day up there, um, I drove up and pulled up in Wigan and asked where the ground was and drove up there and finished up on the directions at Central Park. It was a rugby ground. (laughs) (laughs) So the rugby was everything in those days. Uh, Wigan was just a small, small club, but, um, we, we we did really well. Um, as I say, there's some some name players um, playing for the in the team, and we had a, a great run during that season. We beat Chelsea as well in um, yeah. in, a, in a League Cup four four one four two. Four two, yeah. Um, we narrowly got beat with Aston Villa. Um, I think it was two one. So yeah, we had some good games, and there were some big crowds came came to watch us as well, and it was. Um, it was great, great feeling to get promotion with uh, with Wigan. Yeah, you certainly love a promotion, Les. And I mean, you scored again. Was it nineteen league goals that season? So I guess, like you say, you're just wanting to prove people wrong that uh, that they were wrong at the time of letting you go for uh, Notts County. That you can still do the business, I'd imagine. Yeah, I think it was about life. Was about proving people wrong. I know my workmates when I was at work back in, in Buxton, but I don't sign on for, you'll never make it as a player. And then I became a player. I'd been turned down by Buxton. The local team said I wasn't good enough. You know, I think it was all about, I'm going to prove them wrong. You know what I mean? And, and I wanted to do that. And I think, yeah, I had a, a decent career at, at, at Notts County, played with some great people like Don. Um, and then I had to prove not County wrong for letting me go and then Stockport and yeah, it was good. And um, even at the end of the career, I went to, to play for Bristol Rovers. And in fact, I had a, I was in the Guinness Book of Records uh, at one time. I don't know whether it still is there. I was the only player to score on the debut and never play for the club again. <laughs> <laughs> we played on New Year's Day. Um, at Cardiff, and I scored a goal in a in a two one defeat. Did my uh, hamstring? Spent. I'd gone on a month's loan from Wigan, and I spent the the rest of the month trying to get fit again. And um, it was just about right. Bobby Gould was the manager at Mr Rovers in those days, and um, he said, uh, "I'll sign you till the end of the season if you prove your fitness in this reserve team game." And it was against Reading, and I'd scored two goals and. Then it went completely with 20 minutes to go, and that was it. I went back to Wigan, uh, didn't play again, really. That was it. The, that was the end of my career. Yeah. Um, uh, touching on Wigan, Springfield Park, it would have been at the time. Uh, what, what was it like uh, playing there? Lovely place to go and play. The, the, um, the ground, obviously, the, a lot of the older uh, generation of Wigan supporters were remember it very fondly. There was parts of the um, the terracing at the back of the, the goal was grass. Um, and when it got wet, you could see people would slip down to the front. Um, yeah, it was an old-fashioned stadium, but it, um, it, it suited the purpose. It was adequate for the size of the, uh, of the crowd in those days. And it produced good atmosphere. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, and then, like you say, the injury sort of put pay to your career. But... Um, we, we, what did, did you miss? The, the, a lot of players say that they miss the sort of dressing room camaraderie and all that sort of stuff. Les, did, did that take you a while to get to get over? Well, I, I did have a. I ended my career at the age of thirty-six. I did have an offer to go and sign for a year at Mansfield Town, um, but I felt my body had had enough. My, my my brain was still good and knew what what needed to be done, but injuries were coming a little bit. To, more frequently and taking longer to get over. Um, so, I, you know, I, I, I decided to call it a day. Um, looking back, people say 
stop me in the street now or I bet you miss it. I bet you wish you were playing and not really, but I do miss that dressing room. That, uh, that was a fantastic place to be, you know, to, to wake up in the morning, have your breakfast and then get down into that dressing room. The banter, uh, <laughs> the taking the mickey out of each other, um, you know, being able to take it, get it back and, um, Wonderful, wonderful times, you know. Then on the training ground, um, you know, the physicalness against each other and then the chat afterwards and uh, just wonderful. That That is probably more than anything else what I miss from, from football. Yeah. Did you look at going into the, the, the coaching side of things, Les, once you, once you stopped the plane? Um, at Stockport County, when they sacked man, the manager, um, I was put in, um, in caretaker charge with uh, Trevor Porteous at Stockport and um, I was asked to pick the team. I, w- I was slightly injured at, at the time so I wasn't playing um, and so we worked through the week and on lots of different things and then for the first time in, in, in my football career I'm, I'm acting as a, as a caretaker manager, assistant and I'm the other side of the touchline and I'm watching what's going on and I'm thinking, we haven't been working at that. We haven't been working at that. How do I change that? And, and, and I thought to myself, this isn't for me. <laughs> I, think, I think I might have made a good assistant uh, yeah. manager, but to be a top manager, I think requires somebody a little bit different different thinking than than the norm yeah and and then look at all the the managers that i've been in contact with they've got something a bit different i didn't um, work under brian clough but i did get to know him a little and i found he was a little bit different jimmy cyril certainly was different to to a, a lot of people and, and it, it was basically how Neil Warnock, I'm not saying he, he, he's massively different, but he is, his coaching is all about improving, improving a player. Yeah. That yeah. player might have a level, he wants to get them better than what they are. Yeah. It's not about top players, it's about improving the player. Yeah. And if he can get a slight improvement, he feels he's done well. Eventually, at some stage, he might have to make a decision. I, I can't improve that guy anymore and, and I have to change him. Yeah. But they're a little... It's not just about on, on, on the training park and on, on the pitch. It's something a little bit more that's needed to me. So I don't think I was cut out for that role. <laughs> and yeah. before we let you go Les is there any goal that, that stands out during your career that uh, you, you hold in high, high, higher regard you think that was an absolute beauty that you, that you scored um, in my testimonial year at, at, at Notts County I had to pick out my top 10 goals and yeah. looking at those those goals there's, there's goals in there for, for different reasons that last minute goal the city ground was a header from two or three yards. Nothing fantastic, but it won the game with a minute to go against the rivals that were always above us for so many years. And we'd become the top team in the city around that time. That was a top one. That very first goal in my career that I smacked in from 25 to 30 yards. Yeah. Um, another goal against... Walsall was nearly 40 yards where I just turned and thumped it and it just dipped under the crossbar <laughs> so yeah certain goals for certain things but I, my education was not about myself and scoring goals it was about the team and winning I got more satisfaction when we come off with a win because it had helped my wage packet because in the <laughs> days that I'm talking about uh, appearance money win and draw bonuses were massively important. So that was a big, big difference. But that burst of adrenaline scoring a goal, there's nothing, nothing quite like it. And I can understand why 
certain players became alcoholics, their probably drink needed to, to fill in that void um, after their careers. But yeah. Um, yeah. no, it was a fantastic time for me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on, Les. Thank you very much for, for coming on the podcast. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it too. Thank you very much for asking me. That was episode 82 of the Talking Football podcast with Les Brad in association with On The Team Sheet. As ever, I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, if you want to listen to any previous episodes, you can catch them all on pretty much all podcast platforms. We've also got the video of the Les Brad interview available on our Facebook page. Be sure to also check out and subscribe to the Talking Football website. It's talkingfitball.co.uk where you'll find a whole lot of great content. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Talking underscore Football. I hope you can join me again next time and I'll be chatting to Dunfermline goalkeeping legend Ian Westwater. But until then, stay safe and bye for now.